Angel gets his wings. Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection. How many times have you had a concept or an idea, taken it, tinkered with it, made a little bit of money off of it, grown it into something, not really super frustrated or happy with it, taken it to a completely different business model, and then grown it across the country? That's what our guest Leo Adams with Skylink has done, and he's here today on the podcast to share with you why, how, and where. So, super excited to let you listen to today's podcast. Leo, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm really excited to have you on here today. Thanks, William. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited to be here. So, Saturday morning for the two of us, huh? We're going to get rocking and rolling here. Yeah, man. Just another day. Just another day. So, Leo, as I told you before, we're going to change our intro a little bit here. So, um, give me your elevator elevator pitch on the business, right? Tell me, tell me what it is, what you do. Yeah, so I I founded Skylink. We're an aerial data solutions provider. We're providing national drone services, specifically focusing on uh, aerial inspections, mapping, and imaging solutions to companies within the renewable energy, utility, and construction verticals. So really, we're focused on providing turnkey drone services and managing that entire process for our customers from, you know, mission planning, site coordination, airspace authorization, the actual drone data collection, data processing, and, you know, allowing our customers to sit back, do what they do best, let us handle all the logistics and um, everything involved with those aero inspections and mapping and, and drone imaging solutions. That's awesome. So I hear drones. So every time I hear drones, I get excited, right? It's cool stuff. Yeah. So how'd you, so how did you get involved in the drone space first, right? Like where's, where did it start? Yeah. Yeah, man. Back in 2016, I, you know, found out about drones and it was like a cool technology. It was still pretty new at the time. And I just decided to buy, buy a drone. I was like, let me, let me buy this and kind of tinker around, see what I can, um, you know, just out of curiosity. Right. And, and, um, I, at that time in 2016, um, was just looking for, you know, business, business opportunities. What can I, you know, do? I was tinkering around with a lot of different types of opportunities and drones was a, a cool little thing. And I started flying. I wanted to, um, you know, test it out and, okay, what can I do? How can I make some extra side income for my job? And, you know, did some video production for local customers. I figured out, okay, I can use my drone to do roof inspections too. And so then I kind of had a little bit of like some side income where I was doing some more of the media stuff and I'm starting to get into more of the inspection side. And I just started really kind of um, figuring other things out that I could do with drones, um, you know, especially as the technology continued to, to evolve and see like, okay, you know, I could hook up a thermal sensor to my drone and then I can start doing uh, solar inspections or commercial roof inspections. And, you know, just continuing to, to stay, you know, abreast with the innovation in the space and, and continuing to find um, different uh, solutions that I could offer services to other customers. And really it was just kind of a gradual, you know, evolution of, um, you know, that, that process and eventually left my corporate job and um, took, took, you know, the drone business full time. What, so um, I like drones. I'm going to buy a drone and play and tinker. And then I'm going to do the Like how, um, how did you start the business, right? Like who was your first client? 
Yeah. So I actually, cause, I, and, and I guess it's important to kind of differentiate because there's kind of multiple sides of drones, right? And so there's, everybody thinks about drones and they think about kind of more of the media side of drones, which is, you know, going out and shooting some real estate, um, going out and shooting some cool videos and, and aerial images. And that was kind of the like leading path in to drones. And that's, that's kind of what got me interested and gets a lot of people interested in drones um, as a starting point. And so that was actually my first client was different realtors and real estate agents that wanted to get aerial imagery of their, you know, listings and their properties. So those were some of my early clients and, and small businesses just creating videos. And then from there, I realized that that was kind of a limited market. And there was a lot, because it's the entry point for a lot of new drone pilots, there's a lot of competition. So because of that competition, there's a lot more price pressure on, you know, different drone pilots to win business. So it becomes kind of, um, you know, just lower margin and, and just harder to, you know, have sustainable income. So that's when I started figuring out, okay, like what, what are the other avenues I can use this drone to provide services at a, at a different and kind of differentiate myself. And so that's when I started to kind of move into, all right, drones can actually capture a lot of different kinds of data. And what can you do with, with the raw data that's captured? What, how can you transform that data into valuable you know, information and insights to different types of customers? And then that's kind of when I started to move away from the more of the media side and really start focusing on the drone data side of, of the business. And, and yeah different verticals and industries that we could serve using that drone data. So you, you took all those steps. I've still got my son's millennium Falcon drone, um, yeah. that we fly out in the backyard. Sometimes that gets stuck in the tree. So, um, far, far superior develop development from where me and my son are at the moment. Hey, everyone's got their own drones and, and, and there's just, there's so many different kinds of drones too. Right. And so, uh, some of them are, are fun to tinker around and play in the backyard like that. And then uh, I, I wouldn't be putting any of my, you know, higher, higher end drones that we put a lot of money into just to, to play around. And if you and look, I've crashed a drone before it, it, it happens. Um, but, you you know, when you're putting thousands of dollars of equipment in the air, you're uh, you're taking a lot of safety precautions. But no, I mean, that's a, I mean, so it's a really good point, right? Like, I mean, so we've got our Millennium Falcon drone, which is super cool and it only lasts for like four minutes in the air. Right. But there's. There's a lot like, and when people think of drones, they think about like the the realtor drone and they think about, you know, again, my Millennium Falcon drone and all of those other things that we kind of tinker and play around with. Right. But at the end of the day, like there's a boatload of sophistication in this space right now. Right, Leo? I mean, it's it's vastly different than what the 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 normal person thinks of when they think of drone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many kinds of drones that are specific for each use case, right? So we have drones that are kind of in that prosumer, you know, consumer uh, professional kind of mixed drone that you can use for, you know, media collection or, you know, smaller mapping projects. Um, but, you know, we have higher end drones that have built in thermal sensors um, and also have, you know, a dual sensor with a visual sensor. And those are the ones we use for um, inspections like commercial roofing or, or solar. Um, and then you have, you know, other types of drones that are fixed wing and they're not even, 
you know, rotor drones, they, they're actually, you know, you know, fix, fixed wing or VTOL drones that are used to map out, you know, thousands of acres of, of sites much more effectively and, and efficiently than if you were using, you know, a quadcopter drone um, to, to map that large of an area. So, um, yeah, so many, so many different types of drones. And that's kind of why you have to really every single day, every single week, just continue to keep track of, you know, all these different types of drones and the innovation that's happening because I'm um, in such a, you know, quickly evolving industry. If you're not staying abreast with those innovations, then you can fall behind and, and lose your, your competitive edge to, to others who are. So when I, th- so stay there because you said it right like you got the quad chopper drone right like um how far past that is is the drone space right now right like is it um because i mean again i go back to my millennium falcon drone and that thing stays in the air for four minutes before we got to hook up the new battery to it right but y'all aren't staying in the air for four minutes i mean you're like how how far past the the backyard space are drones today yeah, we're we're at an interesting inflection point, I think, in the industry right now. Where um, currently FAA regulations require you to maintain visual line of sight of your drone because you know a lot of you know most of the drones that that you know Skylink has in in our fleet, we could take that drone and we have enough you know RC remote, remote control connection to fly that you know miles away, but then you lose that visual line of sight and technically you're then uh, not operating within the FAA regulations. Um, but there are a lot of companies now that have started to acquire that, you know, beyond visual line of sight waiver that's required for you to legally operate past visual line of sight. And, you know, there's, there's companies that are, are starting to get those, those approvals to fly some of those fixed wing aircrafts over large areas where they, you know, might not have that visual line of sight. And, you know, a lot of people here in the news and the media, you know, drone delivery companies and um, all these these types of services that um, to really get to a point of mass adoption and, and scale are going to need to operate beyond visual line of sight from, you know, this, the, the drone pilot operator. Um, and that innovation, the technology is there and is increasingly becoming um, available to support that type of use, those various types of use case beyond visual line of sight safely. Um, and, and right now we're just, we're kind of on the precipice of, of kind of getting past that and, and having more um, you know, effective technology to conduct those types of flights safely. So it is pretty interesting. Um, and it's, it's, it, it, it's still, still uh, you know, there's still some, some kind of next steps that need to occur to make that happen. But man, it is a, it's an interesting time to be in the drone industry, I think. Oh, I don't imagine so. I mean, it's right. What kind of 10 years old is that the inflection point where, you know, um, technology and, and regulations and everything else are going to make it, um, vastly different 10 years from now than it is currently. So like, um, so you're flying drones and you're doing real estate pictures and you're doing these other things like, um, how did you, how did you pivot into doing the more sophisticated, like how was it all of a sudden, Ooh, I'm going to do, uh, um, a, a nuclear power plant or a solar plant, or like, how did you pivot into doing the cooler stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So 2016, I essentially started a company called Lion Sky Media and, and that was just essentially 
um, you know, me as a solo drone pilot going out and doing these, you know, one-off projects, you know, whether it was real estate, um, you know, videos, capturing, you know, aerial imagery, you know, and, and doing some like smaller projects like residential roof inspections and things like that. And I, it was, it was a challenging time because I wanted to be, you know, an entrepreneur. I wanted to take it full time, but it was, it was difficult. It was inconsistent. Um, I didn't have, you know, a lot of, you know, really uh, recurring, consistent clients. And there wasn't a lot of resources for me as a solo drone pilot to, you know, operate my business, um, you know, especially somebody who didn't have that, you know, background in aviation. I didn't really have, you know, the kind of resources I needed to, to create a sustainable, you know, successful business as, you know, a solo drone pilot. And, and that kind of got me thinking as well, you know, how, how, you know, what, what are those, you know, resources out there? Like, is there, is there somewhere where I can learn, where I can get more project opportunities as a solo drone pilot? And there was other, you know, there was national, like, uh, you know, aggregators that I could get some, some different projects from small one-off projects. But then I started to think like, okay, you know, how, how can I create a scalable, you know, drone service, um, you know, company. And, and that's when I kind of pivoted um, in 2018. And I, you know, founded Skylink with the intention of creating a national scalable service where clients could come to Skylink and order aerial services on a national scale on demand. And we could easily deploy a local drone pilot, like what I had been doing previously to do the data collection. But we'd also do it a little bit differently than some of the other uh, companies out there because we would be working really in like a partnership mindset with these drone pilots, providing resources and project opportunities for them um, to grow their skill set. So um, that was kind of the intention. And when I stopped Line Sky and, and you know founded uh, Skylink, was to create you know a software platform that would allow us to actually um, you know organize our our drone pilot information, have pilots that could come on and you know sign up and we could host all of their you know uh compliance information which is that you know fa part 107 licenses their insurance information um you know aircraft registrations you know and and also segment their personal information or business information as far as you know where they're geographically located and their commutable distance um what equipment do they have and so we segmented all that in our database so that when a client comes in and they place an order for a service, we can easily match a pilot that fits the criteria of that project, um, you know, and really link those two up to provide that, that national service um, in, a, in a quick, safe, and efficient manner. Um, so 2018, I kind of essentially uh, co-founded Skylink with, with a technical co-founder who helped me kind of create the, the software and the database that underlies our, you know, business today, and that we use to provide those national drone services. And so, I think the the transition was trying to figure out how we could create a scalable business, but also trying to get away from those kind of low barrier, um, easily entryable entry markets to more of the, you know, higher level inspection and mapping service projects that, you know, obviously we're focused on today. Yeah. So, um, so you created a marketplace, right? So you've got drone pilots that use you for, um, 
um, to, uh, I guess, throw out bids um, or to um, to bid on projects. And then you've got companies that are across the U.S. that have projects that they need bid and own. And, and you're that marketplace, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's it's interesting because my original intention when, when I founded Skylink was to be that marketplace. It was to be more of a software, you know, company. And what what I realized, you know, after a pretty slow start as far as like trying to, you know, really capture business and and you know create revenue was that that, that software was um and that marketplace was was great. It was functional, but we didn't have enough market forces from both sides, the client side and the pilot side, um, to, to really create uh, high volume, you know, transactions within that marketplace. So I, you know, in an order to kind of, you know, find my path and find, you know, some success and revenue and capture some clients with Skylink. I pivoted to being not as much of the software company, but really more of a services company that leverages the software we had created. And so that's when I kind of started to get some traction in 2019 and and into 2020 and and beyond was when we made that pivot into really being a managed service provider using the technology we had created um, to to offer managed drone services and, and aerial data solutions using that that marketplace but yeah that was um that was a, a pretty crucial pivot you know in that in that time frame to to kind of put us on the right path um so on that note so the um so that pivot has then allowed the original concept of the idea to come back around right because you've got enough traction now you've got enough folks that are using it in different th- places you're now able to grow the marketplace as well or is it still mainly the managed services size leo that's the primary driver of the business it, so the managed services is definitely still the primary driver of, of our business um, we do have the marketplace and it's still functional and, and clients can still you know post a job and and solicit bids from drone service providers and drone pilots um, within the local you know, areas and they can search our, our pilot network. We have, you know, a few thousand drone pilots that are signed up on our, our marketplace and clients can easily come. They don't even necessarily need to post a job, but they can search drone pilots on our, our website that have registered with Skylink. Um, although now really clients will come directly to, you know, us and they'll say, hey, here's our scope of work. Here's what we need. And then it just has become much easier for them to actually just communicate what their needs are directly to Skylink and let us do the matching for them. Uh, because what we've done, we have, you know, a couple thousand drone pilots signed up with Skylink, but we've essentially taken um, those and we've, you know, they, when a new pilot signs up, we have that, that new pilot information, but we do a lot of like um, outreach from those pilots that have signed up to like really open the line of communication because what we've realized is that um, there's there's a there's a, a different level of uh, professionalism with pilots that we want to make sure that we're not trying to be the, the drone service provider that has the most drone pilot you know contractors out there we we won't be there's others that have you know tens of thousands of drone pilots but we want to curate really a partnership network with 
professional safety oriented drone pilots that are spread out in you know every single state and regionally across the US so that when we get a project we're able to have a relationship with a pilot that we trust will go out there and represent Skylink well we'll do the job safely we'll you know provide high quality data so that ultimately we can build the credibility and trust with those customers that come directly to Skylink for drone services, that they're going to get high quality service done in a professional manner and done safely, which is really one of the top priorities um, for for Skylink and and for which I think should be for any drone service provider. So makes sense. Um, Y'all make money, right? You charge money for, for, what's the... (laughs) Absolutely. what's the so what's the, what's the what's the revenue model right like how um how are you making money and then how like what are future revenue models right like how do we, like i always think about everybody always criticizes like tesla or amazon or something like that and says oh they can never get to their size and it's like well wait a second they're not they're not just going to grow that right they're going to create this and they're going to create this and they're going to create this right so how do you currently make money and how does that potentially change and grow as you go forward into the the new future of drones yeah absolutely so a lot of our projects are you know project specific they're bid out um quoted out for a scope of work so you know for example um we'll talk solar because skylink does a lot of solar inspections if we're doing you know let's say a portfolio of solar inspections we'll price up based off of that scope of work and what's involved. So are we doing the data collection? Are we also processing the inspection reports and kind of coming up with the full scope of work to deliver ultimately what the client needs? Sometimes the the client's just looking for the raw data because they're gonna take that raw data and process it themselves. So we'll quote them what our cost is to manage the collection of the data requirements that they have And then we'll work with our pilots and we'll create budgets for the data capture, which we will then, you know, compensate the pilots, you know, across the country to go out and do that collection. Then, you know, me and my team will then coordinate and manage um, the organization of that of 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 that data, the logistics involved with, you know, flight planning with our pilots, you know, coordinating with actual sites to making sure they go out there and do it. So we have that process for the, the data collection where we're the, you know, essentially the full uh, project management uh, fee for, for that full service and, you know, assigning budgets within that where we're, we're taking our, you know, um, you know, profit and, and obviously our margin on, on that service. Um, and then, you know, if they need data processing services, we have uh, strategic partners where they are actually the ones that are taking the raw data that Skylink collects and helping us to actually process that into actionable information. So on the solar front, sticking with that, we have a a partner that will actually go and process that raw data and deliver us, you know, the, the end deliverables, the inspection reports and the data files that we will then provide to our customers. So Skylink ends up putting the full, you know, uh, the, the full service together and piecing it together with our various partners, with our pilot partners and then our data processing partners. Um, but really Skylink is focused on being, you know, the, the expert and, you know, the, the aerial data collection provider 
and then working with our data providers who will allow us to provide the overall managed turnkey drone service to customers in, in different verticals. So in some aspects, y'all capture capture, and do you own the data or does the client own the data? I guess I, what I'm getting with with that too, Leo, is um, like if you own the data, like what can you do with it? How can you learn from it? How can you uh, create iterations of the companies you go forward, right? Like, um, so who owns the data? What can you do with it? How can the business continue to add on additional services as you grow? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first off, I'll just say with our client uh, contracts, all the data that we collect is strictly confidential. We're not reusing their, you know, our customers' data or repurposing it for any kind of other, um, you know, clients or any kind of other, uh, you know, use cases. All of our data that's collected is stays confidential and stays secure for that that client. Um, so, but with that being said, you know, just like if uh, you know. Uh, a drone pilot goes out to capture a real estate picture, that picture that they shot with their drone, they own that picture, but they give a license for that realtor to use their, uh, you know, their image or their drone uh, picture, right? So in that same, you know, vein, we're, t we technically own the data that we've collected, but we, you know, give that exclusive license to our client to use um, under that confidentiality agreement that we're not repurposing or reusing that data in any other way. But so then you can learn off the data. Um, and if you own the data, you don't use it for somebody, for another client. But as I mean, it's like Tesla, right? They're tracking thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of people driving with their you know autonomous vehicle that's not autonomous. And that data one day, I mean, maybe it's not autonomous, autonomous driving, but maybe they can use that data for something else. It's the same thing for y'all, right? Like y'all can figure out ways to use the data if it becomes obvious, hey, wait a second, we can use this for other reasons and purposes, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So I think internally, you know, for example, we'll, we'll do, uh, you know, construction monitoring and, and mapping services where, you know, construction is happening on a, on a project um, over the course of, you know, 12 to 18 months, and we're flying that, um, you know, that site, you know, weekly or, or monthly um, on a recurring cadence, we'll look at, at that data and we'll kind of understand, um, you know, what are the different things we can use to enhance our service further for other customers. If we, um, you know, overlay an engineering drawing on this map, can we actually overlay the, you know, monthly drone map? The ortho mosaic on top of that, and re and then how can we enhance that service and show our customers different data points over the course of their project, and and then we can use that information that we've learned um, from that one project, and you know anonymize that that information, and then use that as a sales um, or like a value uh, you know point within you know a different sales discussion. So I think that's part of the, you know, going back to like staying abreast with the innovation in the space. That also goes to the software platforms out there that we use that are training their, you know, different models and data processing models and, and AI assisted, you know, processing 
from that raw data and how can we use that to also go out and acquire you know new customers to to your question really just continuing to to stay you know on top of that of those innovations and what other uh, tools can we use to create value for customers and expand into other services that you know might not even might there might not even exist right now but will continue to um, you know, appear slowly over the coming years. So, yeah, because to your point earlier, right? I mean, it's a space that's continuing to evolve and and grow and change, and and will you know for gosh knows the foreseeable future, right? I mean, it's still in its infancy, um, and to, to stay at the forefront of it, and then you know you've you've got to figure. I mean, and you throw out AI, and I hadn't even really thought about putting AI in the um, into the space, and I don't why, don't know why not, but. Um, so, but the ability to evolve and and grow and and change and add on services and help make the partner companies better and more efficient, all that stuff, like that's all super cool stuff, right? Yeah, it it is. And I mean, AI is is actually, you know, I mean, not, I guess not surprisingly, with and you know, the, this is the year of AI. Everybody wants to talk AI, but I mean, it it's been you know used as a tool, you know, by Skylink and and our you know uh, data partners. For years now, and and like for for example, like wind turbines, you know, we'll go out and do an inspection um, of you know wind turbine blades, and we'll just be capturing just the raw the raw imagery um, of those blades, and we'll put that into you know our data processing partner for for wind turbines, and they have an AI algorithm that will go and detect, hey, this is a you know this is a, a you know cracked there's a crack on this blade. And it will automatically flag that. And we're we're not fully at the point where AI is, you know, just outputting a perfect inspection report. We still have, you know, um, we still work with that company that will, you know, have a wind turbine blade expert go through and confirm or deny the damage that the AI algorithm has picked up. But that really expedites the data processing process for us to then turn around inspection deliverables much quicker to our customers, right? So um, there's there's a lot of that happening in the space and it's just making sure that, you know, we're also plugging in with the right um, softwares and the right data providers that are staying abreast on, on their side of it as well, right? So um, I think that's kind of, you know, that just makes me, you know, leads me into to one thing that I think has uh, led Skylink to, to be a successful company to this point is just creating those partnerships and having a, a really collaborative approach with our partnerships, uh, both on the pilot and data collection side, but also on the data processing and software side as well. Um, how big can the company get, Leo? Um, right? Like uh, somebody says drone and we talk about, and, and not to degrade it, right? But um, somebody says, oh, that's cute. He's doing real estate photos of houses and whatnot. And but I mean, when you're getting into this scope and doing these different things, like how big of a company can um, can Skylink get to, and and how quickly too, right? Like I mean, fine, it can get to a you know a, a ten million dollar business over the next hundred years, but that's that's not what you're thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I definitely think that you know Skylink has the potential to continue growing very quickly. I mean, we're, we've grown year over year, um, every single year that we've been in business, but I'd say, I think over the next 
you know, five years, I think that's a, a reasonable target uh, for us to grow from a seven-figure business to an eight-figure business. Um, and it's really a matter of being in the right industries that are also very quickly growing. You know, obviously we're talking about the, the you know, innovation and the growth in the drone space, but um, I think that's something that, you know, pairs well when, um, you know, like Skylink is working in, uh, you know, renewable energy um, and we're doing a lot of work within the solar and wind space where those are growing very rapidly. And we always talk about, you know, trying to increase the amount of renewable energy that um, is part of the energy mix. And when we're doing so much work in that space already that we'll continue to do year over year, and there's more and more, you know, solar and wind assets that are continuing to be installed year over year. That's a quick, you know, fast growing industry. So when you pair those two uh, very fast growing industries together, I think that breeds for a lot of, you know, quick growth, you know, for, you know, what we're doing here at Skylink at the intersection of, of multiple quickly growing industries. So I, I would say, I think it a uh, reasonable target for, for us. And I think, you know, being a bootstrapped company, we're, we're looking to create that sustainable growth. So I'd say, you know, the, the, the goal is really to continue growing into an eight figure uh, business over the course of a five-year period. How do you, so um, that's awesome, right? So, I mean, it's a great business. And then, you know, again, as, as you continue to think about the future and whatnot, you can, or at least I can see where it can continue to go, you know, further beyond that as well as, as drone technology and, and everything else comes into play. But um, like, how do you get, how do you think about that from a, so step back from the the drone space and think about, your business, right? Like, how are you putting the business in place, like employees and other things? Like, how are you, how are you growing that side of the business rather than just the sales? Yeah, I think the the key uh, piece to get to that, you know, that next level is really just systematizing, um, you know, our our business a little bit more. And and that's something I've been working with with my team on is creating, you know, sustainable, you know, easily repeatable processes and systems for us to, um, you know, really dial everything in and get to, uh, you know, that next level of scale, because, you know, we're not going to be able to get there with our current, current processes. And so it's implementing, you know, these different tools that are out there to create better systems and processes. I think that's, that's really kind of the missing piece for us is, is, you know, really systematizing everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, when we're working with, you know, drone pilots, you know, probably four or 500 um, contractor drone pilots, you know, my, my internal team, my, 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 uh, you know, operations team, they have a lot of coordination that they have to do. And if we can make our processes and our systems more seamless, that increases our capabilities internally um, to be able to provide more services to, to do more inspections and do more mapping projects and process more data. I um, mean, it's just a matter of um, continuing to find the solutions that that are out there, software and, and other systems that we can implement um, to create, you know, really a even more streamlined aerial data collection and, and analysis process. All right. So we're going to we're going to take some, um, we're going to take a quick break talking about the business and we're going to talk about um, you for a, a couple minutes, and then we'll probably fall back into the business. So um, I went on LinkedIn 
and started paying attention and, and reading some of your your posts that you made. And so we're going to turn some of your posts back on you for a second. Um, you you had a post not too long ago about morning routines, right? Um, so what's your morning routine, Leo? Oh man, yeah, I I'm I'm actually a morning person. I I love waking up and kind of easing into the day. I don't um and and this is definitely a um something that I'm I'm very privileged to not have to set an alarm and and I like to just wake up when I wake up. I'm normally up around that 6 to um 6:45 depending on what time I went to bed the night before. Um but I kind of I normally like to start my day with a little bit of movement, a little bit of exercise. Um, you know, even just something light like stretching and just kind of, you know, some some push-ups and things like that, just to kind of get myself moving, go on a quick walk outside. Um, I I I like to get a little bit of natural light. So I actually go outside most mornings to just get some natural light, start to kind of get into the day. And I definitely start with something intellectually stimulating as well. So I, I love to read. I I I read a ton every single day. I, I get probably at least 15 to, to 30 minutes of reading first thing in the morning. And then at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think about, okay, where's, where's my coffee. I, I want to get caffeinated up. I, I'm a huge coffee guy. Um, so after all of that, I'm normally moving right into my, my coffee and starting to get caffeinated. And, and then I'm, I'm from there really starting to jump into the day at that point, you know, and I've done a lot. I, I kind of get in a routine of um, planning my, day the night before so at that point you know i already kind of know what my priorities are what i need to to jump into and i try to get a good block of you know that deep work because i i find i'm more uh, mentally switched on in the morning and so i try to get some of my you know hardest tasks or or you know things that i need to do um, right there from the jump when I'm, you know, mentally sharp and, and right at it in, in the first couple hours of the morning. Um, but yeah, generally that's, that's kind of, you know, how I start my day and how I get kind of into things. All right. I like that. So, um, we'll go to the next one I had uh, written down. So, um, if you had to double your goal in the next 30 days, what would you do? Yeah, this is something I've asked myself. And, and I think, um, I, I would create a list of all the people that I had to meet, how would I go and meet them or make the connection? Now, nowadays, you can do make those connections digitally, but I would make a list of all the, the people and, and the individuals that I would need to connect with um, to, to make that happen. I'm a big, big believer that, um, you know, through relationships and connections, you can really, you know, grow quickly and, and I think, and, you know, find mutually beneficial ways to, to help each other. So I think that would be one thing I would do. Um, and then actually go out and, you know, and, and as well as make a list of actions that, that I would need to, to do as far as, you know, I would need to, um, you know, do X, Y, Z. I, I would just make a full list of all the actions that I would need to do to accomplish my goals and then go out and do them. Cause I think sometimes we get scared of, um, you know, actually going out to, to do the action and getting out of our comfort zone. And we say, Hey, you know, I'm going to do this later. I'll, I'll prioritize this other thing and, and I'll get to this later. Um, so, cause we're, you know, we just think we don't have the time or it's, you know, not feasible right now. And we kind of put these self-limiting beliefs on ourselves. So I think ultimately, if you, uh, if you make the list of actions and you don't hesitate and you don't make excuses and you take action on them, I think really that's, that's 
what would uh what would help me get to you know double my goal in the next 30 days and to um to kind of follow up on that and add to the <laughs> thanks for playing with me um the to add on it's a one of your other and it's a quote that you had on your linkedin profile which i love because we don't get a chance to talk about it on here as much as i'd like to uh but you you wrote if you're not failing you're not trying right so um if you're going to try to double in 30 days then you know you're going to you're going to fail multiple iterations right like you're going to try to do this you're going to try to do that and it's not going to work but if you're going to double you've got to like you've got to fail fast yeah, growth isn't going to happen in your comfort zone. It's only going to happen by going out there and, and testing and, and, you know, giving it a go, right? And ultimately, if you go out there and, and you fail, you're going to learn. And if you learn, then you're continuously evolving and getting better every single day. Um, so I think that's, that's something I, I take with me and I try to, to um, mentally tell myself, hey, go out there, try it. Ultimately, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, if you go out there and you fail, then, you know, the worst thing is that you went out, you tried, you learned and, you know, get up and try again. Right. So I think uh, that's just kind of needs to be the mindset of, I guess, really, I would I would say any entrepreneur that that wants to be out um, and have a successful business is just go out there and, and make sure that you're um, not limiting yourself and you're going out and, and testing and trying to, to get better every day. And um, ultimately. Um, after many, many failed attempts, um, to, to, you know, create a business, I, I, I found one that stuck. And then, you know, from there, just continuing to find different paths and different things to, um, to test. And, um, you know, that, that's the only way you're going to, you're going to find your path and get better. I think. How, um, so you're right, right? Like as an entrepreneur, it's, you know, failing is a fact of life, right? Like you're going to, some things aren't going to work and you're, com I don't know if you're comfortable with it, but you accept it um, or you move through it or whatever, right? But like when we think about like a large business um, and you're hiring people and they're coming on board and they're growing through the business, right? And they start off here and they move up here and they move up, like you go to Wells Fargo um, or, you know, Bank of America, what like those folks, um, it's not the same mentality as you start to hire employees, right? They, they're in it for safety. Like they don't want to fail. So as you think about that and you want to take this business from where it is today to where it's going to be in the next five years, but how do you, how do you think about helping your employees who are, are going to naturally be more cautious about failure? How do you drag them through? It's okay to fail, um, and this is how we're going to do it, because if we don't do it, we're not going to get to where we want to be and, and, and whatnot. Right. So how do you help employees through that piece? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think first is just understanding everybody has a different risk tolerance um, and just kind of really getting to know your employees and kind of who they are and what their risk tolerance is and, um, you know, what their personalities are like um, to kind of make sure that you're. Um, you know, not pushing somebody over where, because you want, you want to kind of, um, you know, challenge your, your, your team and make sure that uh, they're striving to get better as individuals, both personally and professionally. Um, and that's something that I try to customize to each individual, right? So I'll, I'll sit down quarterly with my team and do, you know, a review and evaluation. And I talk to them about their personal and professional goals, not just you know, what their goals are over the next three months and 12 months at Skylink, but 
Um, what are they personally looking to work on? And making sure that um, I communicate to them, which it's a core value at Skylink is a growth mindset. It's like, hey, what are you guys doing you know, to get better yourselves? But also, what are you doing to you know, improve professionally? So trying to challenge them, I think, is something that will allow them to continue you know, growing and, and trying to pull them along um, that ultimately, and because this is something I also you know, tell my team as well, is you know, when the company does well, it's not just you know, like myself as the owner or the company doing well. Like it will come back to benefit you guys as well with increased roles as the company continues to grow, with increased compensation, um, you know, and you know, just continuing to to make sure that every that, you know they know that this is a collaborative, you know, win-win type of approach where if the company's winning. It'll also win for them. But if they're not willing to get out of their comfort zone to some level, you know, it might be more for some individuals than others, but at least start to kind of dip your toes out of your comfort zone, then you're not going to be able to grow. The company isn't going to be able to grow as much as it could if they're willing to get out of their comfort zone a little bit more. And ultimately, they're going to stay stagnant within their professional and personal life. So it's kind of trying to communicate this to them and considering where they are as far as um, their risk tolerance and what they're, you know, willing to kind of go out there and, and, and try and, and test out um, to just kind of get, get them out of their comfort zone a little bit more. And it, it's hard for everybody. It's hard for, for me. And, and, you know, I think, um, you know, the stability is an important thing, you know, for, for everybody in, in life. And um, it's just trying to get, get a balance of, you know, having that that stability, security, and and trying to you know push push forward as much as you can. Yeah. So uh, we're ra- coming up on the end. Um, believe it or not, we uh, probably a little bit less than five minutes to go. Um, you mentioned it earlier. It's crazy how fast time goes, isn't it? Especially when we're just kind of shooting the breeze. But you mentioned earlier that you bootstrap the company, right? And you talked about you know starting the company back in 2018 and. Um, developing and failing and pivoting and doing these different things, right? So, um, but you bootstrapped it to this point. You're profitable. You can you can take this business to where it needs to go. As as we've talked offline, you can take it there without raising capital. So when we think like when folks think of traditional startups or or whatnot, they think of oh, there's a Series A or there's a seed round. There's a Series A. There's a Series B. They raise this. They raise that. They. So how do you view yourself in the startup community here in Charlotte? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it it's interesting, and I think every every business um is different. Obviously, you know, higher growth technology startups need some, you know fuel on the fire immediately to get to get into growth mode and and you know skyling i i uh, had run a previous business and had some you know capital from from that business and um uh, thankfully i had um you know parents that were willing to to invest in me and and give me a loan um to to get skyling started up so i i really kind of took that as like my initial capital to you know i guess my seed money so to speak and just kind of you know, use that as my fuel. And, and it was enough to, you know, use um, to generate enough profits to then reinvest. And, and that's kind of been the mode that I've been in is, 
you know, just continue to reinvest profits um, back into the business because that's what's going to continue to help us grow and, and you know, get to that next level. Um, but as far as, you know, where Skylink fits into the, the you know, entrepreneurial or the, the business ecosystem here in, in Charlotte, I think um, I really just want to be, you know, and, and kind of prove and be a, a data point that, you know, to, to, you know, create a successful business, you don't necessarily need to be focused on raising money. You really just need to be focused on what's the value that you're creating. What's your value proposition? Who are you helping? Um, and ultimately focusing on the service, um, whether you're a product or, you know, when I say service, I don't necessarily mean like, a you know, an actual service, but yeah. it's the, if you're, if you have a product, how is that serving your market, your target market? What's the service that and value that you're providing? And if you focus on really just trying to create value in other people's lives, the profits fall into place. And, and that's um, something that, you know, I founded the company on at the very beginning was a conscious capitalistic mindset, which is ultimately if you focus on, you know, your, your customers, you focus on your team members, you focus on, um, you know, the, the, the uh, different stakeholders within the business and the value you're providing to everybody within the organization and that the organization touches, then ultimately profits and the, the financial piece will fall into place. So I think if you approach business from that conscious capitalism mindset, I think you can do a lot of good. And I, and I think that's where I would love for Skylink to, to be positioned within the, the Charlotte entrepreneur community and, and really just entrepreneur community uh, nationally is when you approach a business with that mindset um, and just look to, to serve and to help you know, your team, your customers, your partners, um, and the communities that you serve, that profits will fall into place. So that's that's how I how I think about Skylink within the, the having a having a profitable business the last couple of years in the current economic environment sure hadn't hurt, has it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's definitely something I'm grateful for, and um, it's it's definitely you know I'm, I'm thankful for it, but it's taken a lot of hard work from from me and my team. So um, it's it's definitely kudos to to the Skylink team as a whole. Yeah. And I mean, it puts you in a cool position too, right? I mean, as, as we wrap up, I mean, um, you've got plenty of opportunities out there. If it becomes apparent that you need to scale quickly um, and really go into a, um, a market share mentality, the fact that you've got the systems, the processes, the people and the profit, um, and you've demonstrated the ability to pivot, change, win, succeed, it makes it a lot easier to to raise capital at that point in time because you've got um, you've got all of that backing you up, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and although I'm not actively pursuing, you know, raising capital, it's something that if, you know, we got connected with the right, you know, individual, right, you know, partner, right, strategic, um, you know, partner that can help us acquire more market share, help us grow faster to, to capitalize on you know, a new innovation that's happening um, that we want to be at the forefront of and then make sure we're uh, capitalizing on to the best of our abilities. That's something I'm open to. But I, like you said, I think we have the right pieces in place to um, really capitalize on that, that market um, with, you know, just the, the, the team and the capital we have within the business now. So 
Um, definitely, you know, thankful for that, but, um, you know, for the right opportunity, for the right, uh, you know, partner and for the right um, goal that, that collectively we would have, it's something that, that is definitely on the table and, and something I would consider. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So um, no, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's hard to turn down money, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well it's been uh, you know again we've caught up a few times offline and getting ready for this and whatnot and uh, scott i mean drone technology and where where it is and where it's going is such an interesting space and to see how you took it from you know that hobby and um and then made it its own scalable business and then took it kind of a separate space where you still do drone flying and operating and stuff like that but into a, just a whole new business has been super interesting to learn more about. So thanks for sharing your story with us today, Leo. Really enjoyed the opportunity to kind of sit down and shoot the breeze with you and um, a whole lot of fun and, and wish you continued success, um, profits, um, and hitting those goals quickly. <laughs> thanks, William. It's, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's, it's been great connecting with you. And yeah, let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. Awesome. Well, thanks again. William Bissett is the owner of and an investment advisor representative of Portis Wealth Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding their individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.